Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie to determine if an album, band, or even entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that particular time. And like all great podcasts, this is a spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst us and all of our friends that just keeps going and going and going. And uh, per the usual, I am joined by the Islands boys <laughs> they got their vests on oh boy. hey i'm noah corn gang for life <laughs> the corn gang the corn gang featuring bus driver yeah uh, and got that rapper bus driver uh the canadian rapper oh yeah, yeah don't from, remind me uh, um from the islands record yep that would be yeah, none other was than bus driver. bus driver himself. And I'm Adrian, uh, your producer, and you can call me Mr. Heavenly. Hey. And I'm your host, Sarah Koenig. Welcome. This is Serial. <laughs> Thank you to Nikki Diamonds for the music for that <laughs> illustrious theme song. That's right. We're out here doing. Oh yeah, because Nick Diamond. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with the. Uh, Announcer from Celebrity Deathmatch, Nick Diamond. Oh, that's a two for one on that. I think we talked about Celebrity Deathmatch last episode. I'm trying to transition us into a Celebrity Deathmatch recap. Recap. <laughs> Even though you said the show was terrible, it's so bad. It's yeah, like, we Pam, might have to do that. Pamela Check us out Anderson on the Patreon. Lee versus. <laughs> it's like a re- like it's a reverse Patreon where we pay you to listen to us, um, uh, and yeah. yeah, we recap all those episodes. And then Nicole Smith. Is that benefactor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the Medici's. And then Nicole Smith off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> Who would she be fighting? Uh, Rest in Dame James Manfield or something? Pamela Anderson. Uh, yeah, of course. I think she was Pamela Anderson Rock at that moment in time, right? Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. And then it'd be Rock versus Tommy Lee. Oh, yeah. Nice. They, they got in a real fight at the VMAs. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Tommy we should Lee. just do like a cultural dredge podcast. <laughs> the dredge. The dregs for sure. <laughs> Jesus the dregs. The dregs of the dredge. Guess what we're episode? gonna have to cover porno like, for Perez Hilton will not even touch this. Oh, I think Celebrity Deathmatch had Perez Hilton versus Paris Hilton for sure. That might have been a season finale. That might have been a series finale. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it, it down. It definitely was. It was for our culture, you know. Like that was like that's a wrap. Oh, uh, anyways, what episode is this? This is episode. Uh, you, we've come to a fork in the road, as in it's our 29th album uh, episode. Uh, like Neil Young's 29th album of that name. It's the um, name is of Neil Young's 29th studio album is Fork in the Road. Yes, it's called Fork in the Road. The album cover is him doing like a really uh out of focus like um selfie with like a digital camera <laughs> what year <laughs> like is an this? early digital camera like early, early gen the what ones that still have like the flash cards on them oh nine yeah, right right in our, we're talking right oh nine house. baby yeah. oh nine See, that was like, you know that it was inspired by his lincoln continental oh him and cars man we gotta fucking it, 
I think everything he's ever written is inspired by his Lincoln Continental. Even the yeah, song, they, o- even the song Ohio. They're like, dude, that's pretty cool about the Kent shooting. He's like, nah, man. That song's I wanted to talk about Lincoln. Akron being the rubber capital. <laughs> the rubbers on my Studebaker rubber tires came from Akron. Yeah, that's a weirdo. You know, he drove a hearse. It's kind of like his uh, claim to fame. Because that is a big enough car to fit all his musical equipment. Nice. Yeah. Smart. So yeah, 29 fucking episodes. It's uh, pretty impressive. And um, yeah, let's hope it holds up as much as um, Fork in the Row with songs like Get Behind the Wheel, Cough <laughs> Up the Bucks, and my favorite track four, Johnny Magic. <laughs> so for our own Johnny Magic, Noah, what are we, uh, what are we doing today? Today we have another canadian fellow canadians uh we got the unicorns oh i'm sorry (laughs) the unicorns who will cut our hair when we're gone uh from 2003 it's their debut album so two debuts in a row this is debut month here at the pod (laughs) um so adrian what did the folks over at pitchforkmedia.com have to say about the 2003 album by the unicorns who will cut our hair when we're gone? Or as I like to call it, W-W-C-O-H-W-W-G. That sounds like some QAnon bullshit. Um, um, some call letters. <laughs> <laughs> so Pitchfork uh, gave it originally. So there's, it's interesting because there's two reviews here. There's one, that was the original review and then they later did the reissue both got best new music or best new reissue in the case of the 2014 reissue and they also both got an 8.9 interestingly enough uh but it was the reviews by eric carr uh, the former drummer of kiss yeah yeah this uh starman himself right <laughs> yeah no he replaced starman oh that's right was he the cat? He's on the, I think he's on the Lick it Up record. No, the oh, cat boy. was always the drummer. Starman is. Um, oh, his ace. Um, that's right. Uh, that gives that shows you how much I care about fucking. Kids. He was. Um, Eric Carr was the fox. The fox. There you go. Pretty good. But uh, it must have been another car because this Eric Carr died in 1991. <laughs> yeah, Rest this this one. This, by this one was son a- or something. <laughs> This one was at Pitchfork for a while. I I know we've done, I think we've done a, a couple of things by him. Um, but the, and then the uh, the best new reissue review was by our old friend Stuart Berman, uh, who uh, opened our podcast with a broken social scene, I believe, or wrote the book rather. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I pull a little excerpt here. This is another classic sort of Pitchfork review, although not as obnoxious as the Yeah Yeah Yeah's review. But he basically just goes over, you know, the unicorn's place in Canadian music at the time. Um, and then also what put them apart from everyone else. Uh, but uh, here is a little bit from, I believe, the end of the review. So uh, here we go. Hilariously morbid variations on typical themes of loss or abandonment are par for the course on who will cut our hair. Exemplifying how the unicorns continually and effortlessly sap the drama from rock's favorite, most maudlin topics and transform them into simple, charming, lighthearted fun. It's a big part of what separates them from all those careerist indie rockers getting by on everyday hooks and affected disinterest. 
even at their goofiest, the unicorn's level of comfort with the material and the obvious confidence that engenders makes it all seem totally natural and new. And I think I agree with that. Um, certainly their confidence in the material really pushes it over the top and makes it work. I don't think if they're tentative about this kind of music that uh, it would be as successful. But, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, pretty good review. I don't think it, they took the drama or what do you say, seriousness out of it. I think, you know, I'm kind of has its own drama, you know. Um, it's not maybe serious, but you know, it, it, you know, it's cinematic in its own way, I guess. I don't know that review, Adrian, it's a pretty good review. However, I think the opening sentence evokes Stalin for some reason. And I don't know if you're if Johnny you're, Steele. Yeah. Stalin, like Joseph Stalin. Yeah. The, the Georgian heartthrob. Um, <laughs> if you're writing reviews about like silly indie rock bands, I, I don't think you need to evoke Stalin. <sighs> He's got a thick head of hair. It looks like a Stalin. <laughs> yeah, but interesting take. How, do, how does he invoke Stalin? He like compares the way they destroy pop conventions as the way Stalin murdered millions of his own people or something insane. Oh, it's a reach. Yeah. Yes. Who is this? Does Jordan Peterson write this or some shit? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He also defeated the Nazis. So, you know, it's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Give and take. Yeah. Shout out Stalin. Yeah. Uh, our dad. Our dad kind of looks like Stalin. Yeah. It's a thick, <laughs> good hairline. <laughs> we all got that hairline. A mustached, uh, yep. large brow. Much. Yeah. Olive skinned man. <laughs> That's true. That is true. All right. Uh, Moving right along. We're doing the we're doing the, the punk rock pace this uh this week again. Seemed to work well last uh, week. So we yeah, what would you say like is their deal? You know, this being their debut album, but you know, they came from the fertile Well, actually you know, it's not uh I should have mentioned that it's not their debut album. It is oh. actually their second album. It's uh, their debut. debut it's their debut yeah it's their debut uh debut on this podcast on their podcast but it's uh it's kind of um it's nebulous because the original the, their first release was a self a uh, self-release cd so it, it's kind of you know it, it's it is their second album but that's kind of like it's kind of squishy a little bit yeah i see i see yeah, yeah, it gets um, a little nebulous there with like the self releases, CDR releases, even yeah. more so now with like Bank App and other kind of digital releases. But you know, for all intents and purposes, they debuted in in our hearts back in two thousand three. <laughs> in the popular conscience, um, this is their debut. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so well, you know, speaking of popular consciousness, you know, what what was their deal that you know had them blossom upon the the scene of the time? I think they're a silly band in the long line of silly bands, like your weens, your weird owls, your bloodhound gangs, your, uh, what are some other ones? It's the guy, the doctor, whatever. Is that doctor guy? Dr. John. Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento and Dr. John. Your your bare naked ladies. Also Canadian. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's similar to a band we covered way back on our fifth episode. You could say the architecture in Helsinki, the whole indie 
pop thing that like frenetic kind of genre hopping every song has like a million parts type literal bells and whistles on everything yeah (laughs) but i'd say this one this one manages kind of the fantastical with a sense of uh, like fatalism. It's a little darker than some of those albums, a little less sunny, but it's yeah. still very silly. It's silly indie. You know what also <laughs> I think it is, and you know, we'll probably get into this when we talk about um, our personal histories as well as how we feel about it now. Um, I think it was kind of two other bands that were kind of like the trifecta of that like silly but serious kind of indie was like the one i confused them with last week and that was um the moldy peaches and then also <laughs> your favorite no the fiery furnaces i always feel like i always yeah. when i look back upon this time i always kind of think of those three bands you know together um, yeah but you know sure. they but weren't all they weren't from the same scene or anything you know they were kind of doing their things a different you know parts of the country parts of the continent rather so i don't know but yeah it kind of reminds me of that fiery furnaces is like if this band went to college kind of and started reading books you know they probably went to free college up there in canada yeah i'd say they're they ride a very thin line between a flat-out joke band and like a real indie rockers because i I think there is there's some depth to the Mm -hmm. they they mix silly with like, you know, death and things like that. It gets dark. And I think yeah. the main difference though between them and like architecture and Helsinki and a lot of that indie pop that was happening at the time, Los Compensinos and stuff. I think they're better mu- uh, musicians, kind of. They they have tighter songs. Better yeah, songs, they definitely sure. had like loftier aspirations, like musically. They knew how to like orchestrate, and and now that's kind of evidence too on what um you know, Nick Diamonds and stuff has gone on to do. You know, but I guess the other part of the deal was you know they were from Montreal, they were Canadian. You know, it's a really yeah. kind of vibrant scene, especially in the early two thousands. But yeah, definitely not as serious as like your Arcade Fires or like you know Mount Godspeed. Silver Mount Zion or Godspeed or you know I wouldn't see those bands sharing bills necessarily you know they would be closer to like the to stars or yeah. the deers even though those bands are still very much kind of straightforward indie rock yeah you know? and <clears throat> without jumping too far ahead to the next section, morose like, and moronic yeah and I feel like that not they weren't I mean, they, obviously they have some not punk really in their DNA, yeah. but I feel like punk kids showed me this album. You know, like I don't know what it was. It was like it's an attitude thing, I think. Yeah, in terms of like they're kind of snotty, kind of the from punk yeah. rock. You know? Yeah, it's and it's not like, too far of a like a throw from like pop punk in a way. Those kind of just like <laughs> kind of silly, but like you're saying, like kind of dire. You know, fatalistic kind of worldview shit. But I think they're taking the you know. Piss- they're taking the piss out of like self seriousness. Yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. Yeah, they're cheeky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a cheeky little album, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was their deal. Is you know they kind of just didn't care what their deal was, and you know that's how we get <laughs> into them. But so what's the deal with this man's history? Audrey. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it, <laughs> Audrey. <laughs> That's how you say it in uh, French Canadian. <laughs> That's how Denny Villeneuve would say it. Adrian, big ups, Denny. We did it, baby. Um, 
so this album was recorded from June through July of 2003 at uh, the Breadbox Concrete in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. It was recorded, mixed, and produced by Mark Lawson. Um, and I didn't, couldn't really find any... I didn't really dig into it, um, but I, I didn't really see any other information about other bands he's worked with, but I'm going to assume he was uh, just part of that Montreal scene. Uh, it was released by Alienate Recordings on October 21st, 2003. It is the band's second studio album, as I mentioned. Uh, that is Alienate. a really eclectic label. Yeah. I'm so surprised to hear because like Nausea and Tim Hecker and like right. Mersbo. And yep. A- bunch of like canadian and like global like kind of noise experimental folks are on that label and like that's a big montreal label yeah i believe it, yeah i came out with a lot of like you know because that was the other part of like what canada was offering musically or especially quebec was yeah just kind of like really serious darker heavier kind of experimental end of indie and stuff so interesting move yeah and I'm, I'm guessing that that was an intentional thing on the part of alienate you know mm-hmm. um but uh who knows because you like you're saying like the roster if you look at it the unicorns is definitely the one that sticks out like a you know even more than a sore thumb like they're just out of place but it somehow works because i think maybe not in terms of sound but in terms of just like the spirit of it of just of not giving a fuck and just doing your thing yeah i think that that's kind of keeps them in line with all the other you know tim hackers and stuff even though those people yeah i mean like i could they, they might share a bill with acid mother temple sure right (laughs) yeah Um, remember those guys yeah that's Um, a that's a band we could do that episode of uh like bit they got a lot of albums oh yeah they got they are uh their discography runs deep um but to get back to the unicorns they formed when uh aforementioned nikki diamonds nikki thorburn uh, and Alden Penner met uh, in high school back in 98. They um, and they became part of the Montreal scene, uh, which, as we mentioned, included bands like Arcade Fire, who they were friends with and Stars and, and Godspeed, you Black Emperor. But they were pretty well known for their live shows where, you know, they'd wear these matching pink and white outfits. They, you know, they would get in arguments on stage. They would throw tantrums. They would destroy equipment. So it could become a real scene, you know, to see these guys. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't out of place to see that everything kind of fall apart. And that was kind of, they were known for that. Um, the drummer, Jamie Thompson, joined them just prior to recording this record. Um, and he became a full member uh, following its release, uh, although they didn't, they put out one other EP and then called it quits after that. But um, the duo self-recorded and released their debut CD, "Unicorns Are People Too," in March of 2003. So that's the that's kind of their day, de- technically their debut record. Um, it was released on their own label, Caterpillars of the Community, which I think that's a pretty funny name. But they also released another CDR, Three Inches of Blood." Uh, in 2003, which uh, named after the Canadian band Three Inches of Blood, <laughs> I'm sure that that's I'm sure it was, but they were that one. They claimed it was given to venue owners who booked them, but uh, I don't know how concrete that fact is. But um, the point is that they had a bunch of they had a bunch of songs already out in the ether by the time they got together to record "Who Will Cut Our Hair." 
And actually, Who Will Cut Our Hair features a bunch of reworked versions of songs from those earlier releases. Um, so I think like, I, I can't remember the exact, exact song. I think like Jelly Bones and a couple of other ones were on those earlier discs um, in different forms. But I do have a couple of notes. I won't go into everything I have here because there's a there's notes on every song. But I found an article where Alden Penner is kind of giving his opinions and thoughts on on various songs from the album. So like, I don't want to die. He says, it's a prayer of a song. It distilled fears common to men. The mystery and taste of death all shall reach vanity of prayer and life. So, Damn. yeah, so it was... It, you know you're saying they're a silly band and i would say that's true but i think maybe a better word is absurd because i think yeah. that they 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 look at the absurdity of death and of the the life that they were living as young men or whatever and just you know they kind of just poke fun at it and and yeah in a, in a very tongue-in-cheek way they they kind of just dissect it and, and you know yeah, and also like the inevitability of it too so like why right. spend your time being dour and being like an overtly serious sounding band you know when you can do that lyrically but you know be a little bit more goofy you know with your de- musical delivery totally but like uh so like there's a note about child star where you say this was a reworking of an earlier song, you know, maybe the shaker didn't need to be there the whole time, but it was in the overhead mic. So we couldn't remove it. And that one happens to be Nick's favorite. So, you know, they, they put some, a lot of thought into these songs, even though they, they do uh, come off as kind of um, funny or, or whatever, but they were definitely thinking about all that stuff and thinking about, you know, their influences, thinking about, you know, how all this stuff was coming together. I think, you know, Jelly Bones is kind of a love song or being about being in love and feeling, you know, lovesick. You know, uh, I was born a unicorn. He's, he talks about how it's influenced by high life music and, and African style of guitar. So they're pulling from a lot of different things and inspired by a lot of different things. It, you know, it wasn't just jokey kind of, you know, semi punk rock stuff. <clears throat> but upon release, the album received rave reviews from a bunch of publications, including Pitchfork, but the Village Voice, NME, you know, a bunch of others heaped praise on the album. Man, Pitchfork placed it at number 10 on their best of 2003 list and at 99 on their best of 2000 to 2004 list. I don't think it placed anywhere on their best of the 2000s list, but um, I could be wrong on that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the album was reissued on their own imprint, Caterpillar Records, in 2014, so on the 10th anniversary. And you can find that one on uh, Spotify. There's a couple of, there's two or three uh, bonus tracks, I think maybe four. One is a really great Daniel Johnson cover. Um, And then there's another one, I can't remember the name at the moment, but it's another really great B-side. But yeah, that kind of is, you know, covers the history of this record and uh, a little bit about the unicorns as well. Wait, Adrian, oh. let me confirm something. So the, you're talking, cause yeah, there, if you look them up on Spotify, there's only two albums. There's the OG pressing of this one. And then the 2014 reissue, what's the track? It's, is it 13 tracks? Is that the original track listing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yep. I just wanted to make sure I listened to the right one because it felt long, but I, I did listen to the, the OG one. Okay. I just wanted to confirm. Yeah. 
Um, it's about 40 minutes. I think with those extra tracks, it's probably about 50 minutes or so. Um, but you would know the, you would know that, that Daniel Johnston cover that comes right after that last song. Cause it's pretty, uh, it's pretty well known. What um, song is it? It's rocket ship. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great, great song. Great. You know, Dan- the great Daniel Johnston. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's about all I have for that. What that's, I wanna, that's another artist, Daniel Johnson. I think that would fall into that. Mm-hmm. Can make these really silly kind of songs, but he's always grasping at like the meaning of life. And it's heartfelt in both cases, I think. Like, yeah, it's earnest. I think yeah. these guys are a little more kind of winking, a little more hipster remove, but definitely. But that doesn't mean it, it doesn't come from the heart or they're not serious about it. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, yeah but they're they're very much playing it up as uh you know kind of in this jokey jokey cheeky way what i wanted to ask too is where were we as a culture with unicorns at this time you know because i feel like their name um could come off as very generic but i feel like in 2003 we kind of all had an interest in kind of like you know the technicolor kind of like cultural backwash of the 80s and shit you know and like shit from childhood was cool again yeah i feel like unicorns you know well i think unicorns are popular now it's like yeah totally but i think this is like the first you know second wave of you know unicorns (laughs) being like this kind of ironic thing to be into post post 80s post lisa frank yeah (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying yeah but people are oh unicorns are random but this is pre like unicorn cappuccino it's pre like every little kid loving unicorns or like you talk about like a seven footer uh, basketball player who can like shoot threes and is a lockdown defender yeah Yeah. i don't know i I just thought it was like a sports metaphor yeah totally (laughs) that's where we're at with it now but it was christmas time it just seemed like yeah i don't know it seemed Mm. kind of like a generic name yeah but you know but that kind of had some whimsy to it too so that's me that was the whole point what year did Christoph Porzingis get drafted? 2009? It doesn't matter. It was no, no. Later than that. Like <laughs> yeah, they called him the unicorn, uh, didn't they? Yeah. No, yeah. Like 2015, maybe. I think that was peak unicorn. So I think they're ahead of their time with the whole the Also name. the peak of his uh, basketball playing. <laughs> I think they're ahead of, their, ahead of their time with the name, the unicorns. Yeah, maybe just That's a little true. bit. Totally. It's a good Anyways. name for for what they do, right? It suits them yeah. for sure. Yeah, they're totally they're very unique and playful and childish. Yeah, I think if you saw that name on on the bill, you'd be like, eh, I don't want to listen to that. But then we, you <laughs> yeah, saw, you might think it'd be like some sort of like twee kind of thing. Yeah, but then when you heard the music go with it, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of perfect for them. Yeah. All right, sweet. Let's take a quick little break and let's come back and we'll talk about our um, our own histories with this album. So we've reached the first fork in the road. <laughs> Speaking of history, do you guys remember uh, back in the day when they would call Neil Young the godfather of crunch? Yeah. yeah what was it, that? It's only because he kind of sang like shit and didn't... <laughs> like dress up and he wore a flannel and the keep on rocking in the free world video but i think that was it i think he had no other connection his guitar is also you know a little crunchier than average so 
I think it kind of yeah, works. Yeah, I guess his lead I guess his leads or his anti-leads, but I don't know, I always thought that was a real fucking stretch. Well, he got like yeah. that early coastline of coolness from like Sonic Youth, who were still like, no, it's cool to like Neil Young. Like that's not it's not lame. Yeah. So yeah. I thought I of a- I just I just thought the litter people thought the literation sounded cool and they're like you know, because at that point, grunge is just like fucking how people dressed, right? You know, it had nothing to do with how band sounded. They're like, I guess Neil Young used to wear flannels. I thought uh, of a rap. We should probably cut this out, but Christoph Pormingus, oh Charles Mingus. <laughs> it's not Chupa, really a rap. Chupa <laughs> <mi penis. laughs> There you go. Okay, there, there. Yeah, that's a full bar. Uh, send me that later i'll chop it up on the yeah. <laughs> yeah speaking of rap shout out to uh our sister hannah's partner nick he has one of the be- best fake rap names of all time what what's is that young neil he goes by young neil <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's good I so if you're that. listening nick well played sir i see you <laughs> okay okay What's next? All right, let's let's pick. Who let's go one, two, three, four. Let's pick this pace up. Let's get pick a little up the pace. fucking yeah, pick it up, a little pick hardcore it up. with it. Not ska. Let's, let's pull a, a ska weird. on this episode and pick it up. Pick it up. One, two. Fuck you. All right, who wants to talk about their deep seated traumas history with this album? <laughs> I could go first. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's appropriate because I feel like you were the progenitor of us all knowing about this album. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I I think I encountered it in 2003. Um, most likely, I was living up in Santa Cruz in the dorm room. This is another dorm room album. And I think what happened was back then, all of our computers were linked on like the dorm room Ethernet. So it was like the... Intranet. Yeah, the OG. An intranet? intranet, yeah. Where you yeah. could see everybody's iTunes kind of. So it was like yeah. the OG Spotify playlist sharing thing. And my roommate, he was like the hub of it. Shout out Taylor. He like the first month of school, like went around to everybody's dorm room and like spent like weeks just ripping CDs on his computer. So, and I think he got this cause it came out like in November. So October, yeah. October. So yeah, I was right when we started school. So somebody had it. And uh, I eventually stumbled upon it. So you'd get like this, and then you'd also get like stuck in the middle with you, Bob Dylan, and Pre Three. <laughs> yeah, the MP Three. You get the misnamed uh, downloads, <laughs> yeah. like uh, Cat Stevens, Cats in the Cradle, Cradle, yeah, <laughs> like Buddy Holly featuring Nirvana. Song, yeah. Buddy Holly. Nirvana just played every. <laughs> Every yeah. single from that era for yeah. some reason. Yeah, you would get uh, the Who's Teenage Wasteland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As yeah. the name of the song. Or Freaks and Geeks, Baba O'Reilly. Yeah. But uh, I definitely heard this in 2003, and then I bought the album. Um, probably a Santa Maria Best Buy purchase, I want to say. Maybe a Boo Boo's. I think you might have had to go to Boo Boo Records. You might have had to actually go to a record store to get this yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't at Best Buy quite yet. Yeah, quite yet. I think the move at Boob is would have been like you find like the cutest like 
you know, shop girl or whatever, and you're like, oh, check this out. Do you guys have the unicorns? And you're like, yeah, we, we actually do. You're like, cool. Yeah. We haven't got it in Santa Maria yet. Oh, he likes Canadian music. <laughs> yeah. Drove all the way to San Luis to get it. He uh, cares about his music. So, yeah, I listened to it. I listened to the shit out of this album, man. I listened to it all the fucking time. And one memory I have of this, one day, let's just say I was tripping on acid, just to, you know, use code words, and uh, and I was spending, like, you know, we don't have the money to edit things, right? <laughs> yeah. But I was in. We're basically doing it live. LSD. Is I think legal. the statute of limitations is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, acid is legal by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> But uh, I was tripping balls in my buddy's swimming pool on a hot summer day, just floating around for like five hours. And then we went to a house party. So like we were tired and probably shouldn't have been in a public space at this time. (laughs) But I had, I had, I always, I had a hoodie CD, you know, I always had a fucking (laughs) CD in my hoodie ready to rip at any time. And I went to this party and I like made a beeline for like, my friend's parents like cd player in their living room and i popped this on and everybody's like what the fuck is this <laughs> but then about halfway through i, I bet there was so much drama because like those like multi-console like stereo systems of the air are so fucking complicated <laughs> like, yeah with remotes and everything so you probably had to like turn off the the game or chronic 2001 or whatever was playing at the time to like put that on but yeah. it took like five minutes to change it i was like they're like dude that's the tivo remote here chill 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 i'll, just, yeah. I'll play it for you <laughs> chill chill you're like dude you're it's gonna be shit so over, worth bro. it you're yeah. knocking shit over yeah. then, uh, <laughs> about halfway through the album i think there's some weed getting passed around People got on the wave wavelength. I must say, by the end of it, they're like, "Yeah, you know what? This is pretty good." So that's my fondest memory. Like, kind of <laughs> coming down off some hallucinogenics and uh, playing this at a house party and kind of uh, getting the crowd on my side. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so just an album I listened to a lot and then kind of forgot about. Um, but uh, Adrian, what's your history? Yeah, it's interesting. I can kind of draft off of you what you talked about because I similarly also have a tripping story around that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't hear, I, I maybe I heard it through you first, but I can't, I don't think so. I think the first time I really listened to it was uh, on a trip to the Bay Area for New Year's 2005, I guess, New Year's Eve 2004. Um with our uh, friends of the pod, Jay Bird and Eddie V. Um, oh. And then, <clears throat> or maybe perhaps frenemy of the pod. The bone, um, was the Bone Camaro involved? Yeah, it was. In, we drove up in the Bone Camaro. And our friend. Uh, Which was named uh, years later. In, based on yeah, that it was, song. Yeah. It wasn't right. the Bone Camaro at that time. Not, not, not yet. Uh, it was a, we, den of, a den of inequity, though. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, we we also brought our friend Veronica on, along, and I think on our way, Veto. I want to say on our way shout back, Veto. yeah, shout out Vero. Um, I want to say on our way back, we stopped at a record shop in Santa Cruz, 
um i think it's what you know that Sur- one no uh, the streetlight streetlight yeah that streetlight, yes. yeah downtown Classic. santa cruz mm-hmm. um and uh, we all were buying stuff looking at things i think i got the unseen the quasimodo album that time nice. um or it might have been a different mad lib record but i bought some mad lib record there i forget what eddie v got he got something uh, and then Vero, got like she a got... Burzum record or something. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say it was probably some something heavy, some metal or something. But then Veronica, she got this this album, The Unicorns, and so we popped it in uh, on the drive back, and we were all kind of similarly like at first we we're like, what is this? this is kind of weird, but then we all started digging it and getting into it. Yeah, it it was it was fun, and I don't know, it just it's so catchy and hooky it really just kind of uh, digs itself into your brain. And then um, it's hard to kind of uh, shake a little bit. But Did you um, mention uh, the gravy train warehouse? I had to feed my cat, so I stepped out for a second. I did not, I did not mention, I did not go in depth about that trip, but yes, that... Uh, I wasn't there. I was the bear, but I maybe I should have made the trip back to Oakland to see that. But I feel like gravy train, you know, they're kind of in that goofy, goofy rock era. Oh, that we're definitely. Talking about. Definitely. And similarly used like cheapy drum machines and Casio keyboards and stuff like that. Gravy. You guys are giving me some fucking nostalgia whiplash. Gravy train. I totally Uh, forgot. Yeah. Check it out. Cotton mouth blowjob. Classic. I forgot about that. (laughs) Gravy train. Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. So the way that connects is that on this trip, we stayed in the basis, I believe at the time bedroom they were not he was not there or they i I think they are a they they were not there at the moment but we yeah we stayed at this this warehouse and it was a gnarly fun time for you know the young 17 year old me but yeah the right back we we listened to you know the unseen and um and this record and i think we all really liked it i i forget if I, i can't remember if i burned it or i i somehow got it pretty much right after that I, I probably just downloaded it as soon as i got back home and i i really liked it i thought it was you know super weird and catchy i like the tongue-in-cheek lyrics and you know the kind of semi-tweed instrumentation you know the aforementioned casio keyboards drum machines you know uh whatever recorders and fucking fiddles and toy pianos and shit you know it all kind of i liked it um and it was all very much of that era, but there they kind of had a skewed take on it. So, you know, I always appreciated that. And the record eventually, yeah, it became a mainstay during this time. This sort of, you know, post high school, uh, you know, early college era for me. Sorry, were you gonna say something? No, oh, me. Okay. No, nah. I thought I heard. I thought I heard something. Sorry. The floor um, is yours, my brother. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like I, it, it became kind of a regular listen to me for me. So I, every once in a while, I go through these cycles where I'll listen to certain records just over and over again. During this time, like I would listen to uh, 36 Chambers, the Wu Tang album, every morning before going to school. Uh, it's kind of my I orange need to juice. Check that out. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, uh, for for this record it was like every sunday i would have to open at the gas station you know at seven in the morning and i would just blast this super super loud 
because you'd get like two people, two truckers coming in and they're not coming into the inside. So I would just blast whatever I wanted. And this was one that I always blasted because it's a great kind of sing along record. And, you know, kind of it's very easy to get caught up in the hooks um, and it sounds really good loud. So, you know, I, it was uh, it was kind of my content Sunday companion along with uh, the Smith singles comp and um, Phoenix. Uh, it's never been like that, like that trifecta. I would listen to regularly every Sunday. Um, so I've literally listened to this record probably hundreds of times um, just all through that era. Um, but to get to the tripping story, are the Smiths good? Cause I'm a big fan of uh, Morrissey, his politics, just his politics, him, him right? as a person, but I've heard his bands. Okay. Is that we're <laughs> yeah, checking they're not out? Bad. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to get to the tripping story. So this was probably around 2008. So a few years after getting into this record, um, I'm in San Diego with a bunch of, our friends from high school and uh we were we were doing mushrooms and it was around christmas time i remember it was around christmas time because i it was one of the few times i had a very visual trip on mushrooms where i actually had visual hallucinations because i remember the christmas lights would expand and contract every time i looked at them or looked away so that's kind of the mental state i was in and i was like let's put on the unicorns and, <laughs> and similarly it that worked could go so right but that could yeah, go so wrong good idea <laughs> bad idea yeah, that is a fine ooh, it, line it it really was but <laughs> we were just the right level of kind oh, of good. silly high to where it like worked and everyone's like what is this this is crazy this is fun this is you know this, this is this is cool and so they you know every similarly everyone eventually i got everyone on my side and everyone kind of really started to dig it but yeah so it, it wasn't constant rotation all throughout those years those you know early 20s uh late teens for me and continued uh up until you know up and through the present yeah. i remember you being uh, a big islands guy too i remember uh i came back from um like one of the summers there might have been a spring break or something i came back to santa maria from from college and you're like have you heard the unicorns other band like their new band or whatever i was like what and you had that uh that islands that first one that came out whatever that was called the return to the sea return yeah. to the sea yeah i remember that being like a big uh big release for you i was gonna yeah. say it very much i was gonna say that for like the where they went were they now Shout um out. but Which i remember one? adrian i ran into you at the best buy in santa maria and you had just bought that album and we chilled in the side, like back parking lot where you could. Oh, Dude, I think yeah. I was in the car where you could smoke weed and we listened yeah. to the whole album. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I can't believe I can't remember. That was long term parking. Got, That's where like you but... would go to park your car there and get like car pulled to the beach or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember listening to a that. Drop off point. That's a good album. A park and drive. The All right. Return to the Sea. Yeah. yeah. Caleb, what's your uh, hallucinogenic history with this album? <laughs> I should just jump right into that. So I was, uh, you guys ever done a war tab? <laughs> what is that? I have no idea. You guys ever done a little the 2CB or 2CI? Um, no. I have, um, I have. Yes, in all seriousness, um, 
Noah was tripping on some UCSC <laughs> and was very into this album. Uh, yeah, it came back like it showed me this. Is like you've heard the unicorns and uh, I don't know. I might have heard murmurs about them, but I think I was like a little bit more open to indie rock. You know, I wasn't just like, yeah, it needs to be heavier or whatever. And I was like, kind of, you know, I'd listen to like Pavement or the Smiths or whatever, you know, at this point. So then, yeah, like Noah showed it to me and um yeah i liked like the wackiness of it and kind of you know wacky in a good way not like a dismissive way and how like like you know i had some good heartfelt moments and you know this was a time where the whole indie thing was just kind of moving in more into embracing more like multi-instrumentalism you know um before it was you know still very like guitar based drums vocals kind of you know format and yeah, it was kind of cool to hear. Yeah, like you're saying, like out of tune, you know, organs or, you know, random, like, you know, 808s or whatever they use on this album, kind of all those like goofy instruments. To use. So I thought that was kind of cool. Kind of gave it like a fuller, more out there sound. And yeah, but I remember like the lyrics and the vocals being high in the mix, and you kind of heard all the lyrics and they're kind of serious and just, um, you know, yeah, just kind of fatalistic and i'm you know very obsessed with death and things so that yeah, that was pretty cool and um yeah and then like it was, i feel like this album had a wide reach i feel like it was a multi-quadrant album for all the homies i feel like everyone sooner or later got into it and then years later or not years later i i i, all, I too worked in a pizza store um <laughs> in arcada my last year of college and we had like a six cd kind of spindle that we would just like play uh over and over again so we had like this um this dude alex he had this bay area hip-hop mix um which at the time i thought was cool but if i listen to that shit now i'd be like yeah dude i do not want to listen to living legends they're in la bro (laughs) show some respect um (laughs) yeah but i think they have like a shout out whatever i don't know anyways yeah it'd be like the living legends yeah they are from LA. but anyway so it'd be like bay area it'd be like like too short fucking whatever you name it i'm not i'm, I'm really up on bay area hip-hop song i think you do so he was probably playing like hieroglyphic stuff it's yeah. like hiero but then i had some more grimy shit it had like drew downs and like mac dre and shit on it you know but then it was that and then it was like whatever like black metal cds i would play in for like the later like shifts it'd be like dark throne or whatever and then like there was like a few like kind of i don't know like at the driving or something i don't know it was like a weird mix but then this was like the indie it was like one of everything so this was the <laughs> indie rock entry for of the, like that cd spindle so like um but i remember everyone who worked at the pizza store it was all kind of like the well, you know, like the cool kids and the burnouts or whatever. And um, everyone liked this album because, you know, it's kind of woozy and kind of like a little druggy, but, you know, like fun. And I was familiar with it. So that was cool. Kind of united everyone. And, you know, we're all homies. Um, and yeah, and it, and it kept the vibe and the energy of the pizza store going. I don't know if you guys have that same experience at your pizza store. But um, yeah, yeah, and I kind of just the, remember the them. Be- yeah. And was this album on there? Uh, no. Eventually, I think. Well, I think I'd no, we put it on from time to time. Yeah, I guess maybe. you're. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we've said it before. the The main DJ, he was kind of like the shift lead, the head chef of the pizza store. He was strictly like Pantera 
and Ooh. things like this. Lamb of so God. Sometimes Ooh. you can meet them halfway and be like, Groove. can we listen to like Bongzilla maybe? <laughs> That's like not halfway. That's like, I guess it's all groovy. You know? Yeah, but I mean, it's less like southern asshole rock. Yeah, it would be that true. or fucking Deltron. There's always those two. Yeah, Deltron. Maybe one of the most annoying rappers now that I think about it. <laughs> I think we definitely overshot it with him. I think if anything, yeah. Deltron it's not really his fault though. It's the rest Deltron, of us. Deltron 3030. I gotta give that a re-listen. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was a difficult time um back then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it was cool for the pizza store um yeah it was kind of like i didn't co- mean to derail you there no no i i asked that i opened the pizza store doors um yeah it's like a, it's like a very hip band you know like if you knew about the unicorns it's kind of like a cult favorite amongst a lot of different people and stuff and yeah i, I really enjoyed it at the time because it was it was a lighter listen you know it wasn't like you know it wasn't bogged down with like eight minute songs or like you know it, it's kind of a concept album too but like in a fun kind of comic booky way and i i kind of liked what resonated with too is like it kind of continued this lineage of like quirky indie rock and it kind of just had like a not too serious like slacker vibe to it and like the playing's really loose and laid back but you know thought out and considerate um so yeah i kind of like that and then it was just kind of random and fun so yeah i just remember it being like not something i was super seriously in like would have in-depth listens with but yeah it, it would just be very much like background kind of fan favorite pick you know amongst the people so yeah have some good times good uh good memories with this album sweet so yeah no no lysergic experiences though huh Oh, I probably had some just by the the year this album came out and the, the years that I was doing that kind of thing. So like, I can't pin it to one. But yeah, it, if I had to guess, though, it was probably like a, a calm down album. Weirdly, you know, just like something where come back from the woods and we're like, I don't really want to think about it. This is on the top of the spindle. Uh, put put on, on an album yeah. all about death. Yeah, but we think it was familiar enough. And no, then, yeah, like, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, it, I kind of thinking about it now and all the trips I've had. Like, and music can be so fucking uh, cumbersome, or like just the decision making process. You really have to get it right. I would stay miles and miles away from this album these days. <laughs> like, on any sort of thing, just like having to hear a shrill like recorder. Yeah, it's the, you know, and like all this kind of vocal. Yes, different vocal things they do, and then like the we'll get to it later but like the fucking like psa style raps they do it's i don't know that, that's mm, yeah mm. it's the shrillness that would get <laughs> get to you i think yeah. like, like that's the singer the lyrics yeah i think now you'd be kind of like oh this is obnoxious yeah you need something <laughs> centered and like <laughs> yeah you put on 36 Steady. chambers when in doubt yeah hip-hop's always the way to go you're or tripping reggae. balls put my, on like uh, a whatever anything for all the kids up there yeah keep a, like use some dusty sample heavy hip-hop yeah or like augustus pablo style like <laughs> dusty ass reggae yeah. keep it dusty kids or like when uh you're doing, when sabbath you're doing dust. is always good yeah sabbath something with a nice backbeat 
Yeah. Yeah. Not too mean. Not, yeah. It doesn't get too shrill. You don't want to no. cringe. Stay away from the cringe kids. All right. Um, do we want to jump into how we feel about it contemporaneously? Current history. Caleb, why don't you just keep it going? Yeah. Speak yeah. Fast. I guess, you know, I, I'll, okay. I'm pretty familiar with this album um, anyway. So I, you know, I jumped right back into it. I didn't need to kind of have like some cursory listens where I was like, what is this album all about? Like I, I kind of knew all the, the parts and the flow of it and everything. So it was kind of like in my sense memory already. And um, yeah, now listening to it now, it's like, it still retains all of those elements that, uh, the, that I resonated with at the time, you know, the quirkiness, the eclectic, playing and all the randomness now but now i don't find that as tasteful as i once did you know i gotta be kind of honest you know you guys when i kind of had my tantrum about like animal collective and how like i'm not into goofy wacky for wacky sake stuff so much anymore um but what keeps me being totally off on this album is it, it is buttressed by kind of a darker undertone and then there's some like no more minor chords and some like yeah. It's got a dark, darker, more like angular riff, like playing on here. So it's like it doesn't tilt totally in that, like, you know, architecture in Helsinki, like realm for me. You know, I do like how kind of shabby it is, you know, and how um, it embraces their kind of lack of material you know, things, you know, like, you know, just yeah, kind of playing what was around your practice space and like. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of has like that, yeah, jaded two thousands like slacker thing, you know. That was like a big part of the culture, and like so, it's cool to hear that now. And um, so like it doesn't lose any of that appeal in a way. But yeah, so I still totally get what it was. It just it doesn't resonate with me so much, you know. I th- I like things that are a little bit more centered and propulsive and kind of more staid and holistic in like one approach you know like the kind of bouncing between genres or more just in kind the of like pocket more in the pocket but like taking songs into left field just for the sake of left field and they otherwise would be pretty good and steady you know i like i don't really have an ear for that you know i'm, I'm not as adhd ridden for musically as, as i once was i mean i definitely have adhd but like yeah just not like i don't i don't really need that for music um or in like movies or anything you know yeah i, I like things just kind of like straight and narrow so yeah so it, having said all of that there are some like really nice moments on it and some really cool musical passages it's like my memory of it was being like, oh, yeah, isn't there just like a bunch of like kitty instruments and all that? But I forget there's like some pretty serious playing and some pretty cool, like progressive kind of musical passages and like, you know, some kind of deeper playing. So that was a nice like surprise. But overall, the vibe just kind of doesn't really congeal as a whole album, you know, uh, and that kind of takes away from it and a strong artistic statement. I remember listening to him being like, oh, this is like a really strong album they're really like stating their intentions and achieving that but now i listen to it and it's just kind of too bogged down with how like out yeah. there it tries to be but not in like a kind of fry your brain psychedelic like that kind of way just more how many different like kind of goofy little non-committal things can we do you know yeah, um, it revels in the scatter shot of it all yeah yeah and kind of like i said the jaded 
a nonchalant kind of approach doesn't really have much interest for me. Um, especially when it comes to indie rock, you know, I can barely even listen to bands like Pavement and shit anymore. This is kind of like Pavement on like twee tabs um, in a way. It's like, um, yeah. but I do think there is like a cool, like, like late nineties, early two thousands, like kind of like slow core or like downer, like kind of more down to math rock album in there. You know, some, there's some definitely some songs that are just kind of like dirty and a more serious. Um, and I kind of like those songs a lot more, but then they'll just adorn them with, like I was saying, like literal bells and whistles, you know, and it kind of like, I don't know, kind of takes it, takes me out of it, you know, for a little bit. So, um, yeah, you know, this is a, it's, it's a mixed bag for me, you know, overall. Would you say so. it's bleepy bloopy? <laughs> I don't say it's bleepy bloopy. I think it's like goofy goofy. No, not goofy goofy. It's some like third place with that, you know, like it's not totally where. Yeah. I don't know. It's like shaky crazy or something. I don't know. It's like rattles and Casios and stuff. I don't know. All right. That's yeah. pretty good. Caleb, you did a good job, Caleb. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I'm really trying out here. Um, I got my idea thoughts i wrote it down here i'll just rapid fire this bad boy for my current history with this album which was an album that i loved at the time it's kind of like a 19 20 year old album you know what i had the thought this would be the type of album if you had like a younger cousin or if you knew some kid in high school and they're like Unky Noah, what's like some cool indie? Why is that kid you go to high school with calling you Unky <laughs> Noah? <laughs> but it's like, what's some cool indie rock? And then you'd be like, oh man, you know what I liked was uh the unicorns. And then you would like play it for somebody younger, and they would be like totally embarrassed for you for liking it. <laughs> you'd be like, oh wait, maybe this should have stayed in two thousand three. Um, but anyways, here's some quick thoughts. Goofs and gaffs, laughs and raps, <laughs> sprints and spurts, flexes and follies, detours and dirges, grating grandiosity, glorious gut punches, melodies and melees, squirts and jerks, shivers and quivers. It delivers and withers, glitters and glimmers, brimming with hard hitters, but a tad slimmer than I remember. Not a bummer, but induced me to slumber. All in all, it's a catchy little number. Wow. Well played. I'm out. Very, See you guys next whimsical. week. Episode 30. <laughs> so that's how you feel about those tabs you were uh, adjusting <laughs> in 2003. But how do you feel about the album by the unicorns? No, it's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm, it's a, it's an intentional mix. It can't bag. be flip. It's an intentional mix bag. Yeah. It's the hippie flipping of indie rock. Well, indie flipping. Yeah, it's not something <laughs> surprised we didn't try to do indie flipping. What is that like Xanax and mushrooms? <laughs> indie flipping like four PBRs, yeah, uh -huh. it'd be like PBRs and cheap speed. Um, yeah, I think it's long, this needed to be edited, but I guess that's the point. It's like a ramshackle thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll re revisit this anytime at all. And in fact, before you suggested we do this album, Adrian, I, I probably, there's probably a good chance I would have never 
even thought of this band again in my life. You know, it's like one of those just in the ether. Maybe it was because I'd listened to it on acid all those years. It's <laughs> <My laughs> pride, brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, the unicorns, you know, it's a mixed bag. But in the end, I think, Caleb, what you were saying, it, it grounds itself in a, a, a darkness that stays away from Twee, both in their, yeah. their musical and lyrical delivery, which I can appreciate. It's like, kind of reminds me of like 13 floor elevators or something, you know, like a... Mm kind of psychedelic but like kind of heavier if like you really mm-hmm. kind of listen to what they're saying kind of sort yeah of but then ever you know but then yeah like like you know yeah 13 floor ele- elevator would kind of they'd have a song that was like about the wolf man or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know those like referencing old yeah, movies or something it's yeah. silly i also though i must say there was that time in the 2000s early or late 90s early 2000s where like it was such a cheap move for like a white kind of hipster guy to do a rap. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about rap rock. It was like, we, yeah, yeah. I was going to leave we're that doing like this old school run DMC <laughs> type nursery rhyme. It was PSA rap. shit. Like it's yeah, like, it's silly. Hey, we got, Oh, did you see the, the fucking substitute? We have the math teacher dude. He tried yeah. to fucking rap about long division. Yeah, yeah, the dude with the nerd with the glasses knows how to rap. So, yeah, okay. dude. So, oh, man. We already there's got... a whole nerd core thing. I was yeah. all the way checked out for that shit. I mean, we already got what's his name? MC Search. Like MC leave Chris? <laughs> leave it alone. Pop goes the weasel. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Adrian, I feel like you're going to have, you're going to love this thing. This thing blew your mind. Like those my mind. again, <laughs> all over again. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it still. I mean, as I said, I, I've listened to this record hundreds of times at this point. It's ingrained in my brain. Um, listening to it, ingrained I just in the membrane. Ingrained in the membrane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, before I get too into it, I, I do want to say that. In the 2014 review, Stuart Berman actually touches on something that we we were just saying. Um, he says the album is too complex to be classified as garage rock, too unsettled to be psychedelic, too hooky to be described as art damaged, and too fiercely funky to lapse into twee solipsism. So I think that's it's neither here up. nor there. Yeah, yeah. I think I had thrown around the word non-committal, you know, here and there. So yeah, it's 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 hard. To, it doesn't attach itself to one. It's star. like the Democratic Party of indie rock. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like except these up. guys, these guys no, got something just, done. At least it sounds defeated. Just no take. <laughs> no. Like creates like constantly thrives in a state of exception and crisis. No ethos in order to get people to like vote against their best interests <laughs> and like yeah right. yeah. Anyways, let's not get political. Cut that out. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. think they have a Democratic Party up there in Quebec. Republicans listen to podcasts too. They have uh, the maple maple. Oh yes, party. I know. <laughs> um. All right. Well, you know, I I did enjoy the record. As I said, the hooks for me they still work. The I wrote the hook still hook. The music still charms, and I think that's true. It uh, for me at least, it's you know it's ramshackle. It's all over the place. The songs veer off into wild tangents, and you know there there's three or four different parts that 
don't necessarily make sense together, but make perfect sense together. You know, I don't know. I it, it still charmed me in listening to this. And, you know, even though they are using the same ingredients as like architecture in Helsinki, it just is better. You know, it's more entertaining. It's, I don't know, which isn't to say I dislike architecture in Helsinki, or at least not as much as you guys did. Uh, it's just, it's a different take, you know, on the recorder's toy organ Casio thing. And yeah, I, I mean, it, this it is works. more like a, like, this is... Yeah, it's like a sketch comedy show. This is like Kids in the Hall. The <laughs> architecture in Helsinki is like that Eric Bana show from like the, <laughs> the 90s. The weird Australian show. <laughs> yeah. Sketch comedy, just like, just don't get it. It's appealing to somebody, insane. but <laughs> yeah. It's all Italian uh, impressions. <laughs> it's just His like, hipster I... <laughs> thing with the Paps Blue Ribbon bit, the Eric Bana sketch show, that's pretty good, though. When he's doing like a hipster comedian, he's like, fuck, fuck you, fuck this, fuck this, fuck him, fuck that, fuck him. That's kind of funny. It's just so weird that guy went from like, <laughs> you know, the Dana Carvey of his country to like the fucking like racing neck and neck with like, you know, fucking Vin Diesel for like an action star. <laughs> it's weird. Australians, they're an eclectic bunch. Yeah. Adrian, finish, please. <laughs> Take your <Okay>. time. <laughs> Eric Bana always going to be my Hulk. I'll say that. Um, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think one thing that helps with the making these songs sound, you know, cohesive, even though they are all over the place in Ramshackle, is the production because production is pretty crisp and clear. As you mentioned, Caleb, the vocals are kind of front and center, but that's kind of how it should be for this band because their vocals oh. are very specific and unique to them and. It's interesting, and they he mentions it in the review, but both both lead vocalists is like their voice, their voices are so similar. It's almost like uh, they're you know when they do like the call and response stuff, it's almost like they're doing it with themselves, uh, doing it with themselves. That's my uh, title, my sex tape. But um, <laughs> it's it's you know it's charming, and they 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 have they have a unique character to their voice, like a weird kind unique Sleater Sleater Kenny ish. Yeah, it's like it's not quite yelping, but not quite. It's just it has its own unique character, and they both share that, and it works really well. And, you know, especially when they're doing some of the the harmonies type stuff or the back and forth stuff. Um, it's very entertaining. Um, you know, the lyrics are goofy, they are absurd. You know, there are moments that could be cr cringy. There are a couple of maybe for me probably over the top for you guys but for me just borderline cringy but overall i think it still works you know the, the it's goofy but you know and weird but it's kind of what you know it's kind of what you expect from a band called the unicorns and a record called you know who will cut our hair when we're gone you know you look at that cover with the cartoon you know um bubble writing and stuff and it's just it's a whole vibe and um and it still works for me and i still enjoy it so I think this is a record that I'll still listen to probably not as not ever as regularly as I once did, but yeah, I'll definitely bring it back and bring back some of these songs for sure. Adrian, not more than oh, about five hours ago, you texted us hot take. This album is good and indie rock should be weird like this again. Yes. I agree with that take. I thought that was a really uh, wanna, nice distillation. You want to expand upon that? Well, I think that 
I don't know. It's hard to say because indie rock in 2021 is such a weird, it's in such a weird place. You know, indie rock has become almost a mainstream genre. It's like 90s cover bands at this point. Yeah. I I mean, you know, like that, the what's hot this week, the snail mail record just is coming out this week. Yeah. Like that's one. I like them, but that's one Snail example. Mel and Soccer like, Mommy are the same band, right? Oh, <laughs> they're very well. They're very, but that's what I mean. Like they all. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know any vibe. distinctions. They, you know, they they all kind of share a similar vibe. They are, like you're saying, no, they're they're playing like, off of stuff that's come before it in a way. Sonic that's... Youth B sides, like that's all. It <laughs> it's the same shit over and over again. I mean, a lot kind of Sonic of. Youth A sides were Sonic Youth B sides. <laughs> oh. that's what's dope about sonic youth is that they phoned it in but you know but they had a template that worked they didn't have to fucking you know <laughs> don't don't fuck with the shit exactly fuck with the <laughs> shit. wise man once said that old adage um <laughs> yeah. but yeah i think so i think uh again it's like these guys had all the same ingredients that a lot of the other bands of this time had but they had such a weird unique absurd perspective and you know self-consciously weird that it works and i think that some of that weirdness is missing in indie rock now i think it's kind of a little bit more polished i think it's gotten a lot more smoothed out Mm -hmm. which isn't to say that it doesn't exist because there's our artists that traffic in kind of weirdness but i feel like the weirdness now is stuff that's more like spirit of the beehive or you know sandy alex g where it's It's a little bit it's it's like um it's not an esoteric weirdness it's no no it's like 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 a universal weirdness or something yes yeah exactly the other thing too is like when we were coming up like you know you, you would incorporate these pop elements or whatever but now people aren't afraid to just be a pop artist, you know, when mm-hmm. they were otherwise maybe 15, 20 years ago would have done this That's like, true. yeah, weird underground kind of version of that. But now everyone's, just, yeah. everyone's like, no, I'm going to fucking, I can just be, I can write pop songs, you know, and still incorporate that weirdness and still have that kind of like outlook or whatever. But yeah, it's, I'm just good. I'm going to kind of cut out the process a little bit and just, yeah, just come out the gate like that. Yeah. So I think that, bringing back some of this kind of weirdness, this style of weirdness is something that any rock could use an injection of these days. You know, I think, and again, there, I'm sure there are plenty of bands out there that are doing it, but it's just not the bands that are getting popularity and getting press are just yeah. not as weird as this anymore. And I think I'm saying like, I'm like, I'm saying I'm with you too, dude. It's like, it's like ditch, like the little folded condom beanies and the Dickies and bring back the jorts <laughs> and like the fucking rat tails. And like the raglan shirts, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But although I also don't, I don't have a taste for like nerd nerds that make rock. I also don't want that to. <laughs> That's come who back. makes rock though. They're all nerds. They just well, you no, don't like but, you don't like the DBs. Yeah, or like you know, like Ween stuff like that, where it's just like okay, it's like nerdy guys making. Or, I don't know. I don't what know. Are what are the I'm DBs? Saying. The DBs. Stands for decibels, bro. Check out their debut album much. (laughs) Uh, They're New Jersey rockers. Yeah. All right on. I think they're from New Jersey. They learn something new every day. Maybe not. But they maybe they're Scottish. Who knows? (laughs) 
Uh, but the, the point, the point is, I think that we're that the uh, indie rock in 2021 could stand to use a bit of this kind of esoteric weirdness, as you're saying, Noah. I'm thinking of the feelies. They're New Jersey. Uh, that's also, who I was thinking of. That's sort of who I was thinking of. The nerd feelies. rock. Sorry. Well, the DB is still kind of nerdy too. Yeah. But uh, the feelies way definitely nerdy. Or like even you know, Talking Heads. I guess is the king of like the nerds being rock stars. And I, yeah. yeah, I think I don't know if we have that now, but I don't know if I want that now either. Well, no, no, the nerds are like Ed no more nerds. Fucking shit. Like that, you know? <laughs> It's just anyone who does anything <laughs> is a nerd. It's gone full fucking. It's it, it's like actually means the opposite of what it was, dude. Ed Sheeran what it used to mean. That's it's funny. Like, I'm a nerd. I'm like literally the most popular person in the world. I'm such a fucking nerd. Adrian, like, what? you know, I was I was thinking about that in regards to this album, where it's like at some points in this album, it's like, oh, you can't deny that these guys are very good musicians. They mm-hmm. play multiple instruments. They have a groove. They're very technically sound. But then I'm thinking to myself, I was thinking this the other day, walking, listening to this album where I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, Ed Sheeran technically has a good voice, but like, it's not interesting. It's kind of annoying. I don't know. It's weird. Well, it's like, it's like listening to, I don't know, Ingve Malmsteen, you know, or something where it's just like, it's super oh, technical. Yeah, smokes coke. And impressive. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. But you know, it's technically impressive. But do I want to listen to it? Do I want to listen to a fucking Alcatraz record? No, I don't. I, I'm. It, you know, it's impressive in the 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 feats of whatever technicality it is. But it's not. You don't want to fucking just smoke a bone and do like, put on a little surfing with the alien. <laughs> no, like I do Satriani, not. Maybe? No, thank you, Joe Satriani. No, yeah. no, I. You know, it's just not as enjoyable as something that takes in it you know is weirder is druggier is whatever is is yeah because i think i think with the yeah what kind of like sets aside from yeah just something being just like technically really proficient and like where it's like good it's like people who approach it from a bunch of different angles and just kind of create a fuller sound and like i don't know just have a very eclectic approach to it you know and yeah, I don't know. sometimes I don't want eclecticism in music. I want somebody that has a sound straight head. Right. Like, this is what we sound like, and we kill it on every song. Right. But, but in, in a way that's we gotta like move holistic. On, and yeah, this shit is getting bogged down, bro. Let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a little proggy. We're getting we a little got, proggy right now. We were supposed to keep this a fucking uh, uh, garage rock, garage punk. We got like uh, 25 pace. minutes to finish this thing off. <laughs> so let's take you guys a break. Got any let's movies focus. Let's focus. Yeah, I'm Let's seeing a little I'm seeing Dune at uh, 1130. <clears throat> oh, dude. What's the last time you went to the late night? The oh, late night movie. Baby. I was probably on shrooms. <laughs> All right. What was the latest at Edward Cinema? Is that 1030? That was always the late one. Uh, I think every theater has an 11, like 11 showing 1045. Yeah. Yeah, All the weirdos. <laughs> All right. Let's break and then let's get to it. Yeah, Caleb. Keep us on track, timekeeper. All right. Ready? Break down. <laughs> All right, let's keep this train going. Let's keep uh fucking wrangling these unicorns here. What what slaps? What's what's whack? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay, Caleb, I think we share a slapper, right? Child Star? If that song is Child Star, then yes, we do. Yeah. 
Um, I think this is one of the their darker songs. Totally. It, it uses like about it. It uses the synth very well. And yeah, it was the song that I remember being when I was tripping balls. This was the song that I kind of I tapped into that night where I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Good stuff. I have the minute 40 mark. I don't know. Do you want to say anything, Caleb, or should we listen to it first? Yeah, what I like about it is um, it's one of the darker ones. It kind of has, yeah, that the drum machines could sound cool like adds like a kind of pre-programmed kind of like organ sound to it um yeah it's kind of just like a funerally dirgy kind of song for an album that has a lot to do with you know mortality and confronting that and stuff too i think it i think it it meets the vibe and then and then it's cool how there's like a little like extra little part you know at the end it has like this warbly it sounds like a warped like real to real player it also reminded me at the time in 2003 like there was bands like the go team that like were making music that sounded like 70s theme songs to like tv shows Mm -hmm. and it kind of has that vibe it was also kind of the time when people were i feel like uh john carpenter soundtracks was such a touchstone for people kind of like the way the synth like this kind of spooky synth sound but yeah adrian i think the minute 40 mark all right yeah i have this as an honorable mention this is one that i always enjoyed and yeah it's it's dark but also there's a little bit of humor in there with some of these lines uh but here we go here is child star San Francisco, put your hands in the air with the unicorns. Let's rock. <laughs> you know what that sounds like is the, the old fun machine. Uh, <laughs> you knew uh, we were taking bongos and trying to you know replicate that shit on that old that old the, dusty uh, thing. That old organ. Oregon. Yeah. And then Adrian also the 420 mark is kind of like a kind of a sillier part. It almost has like a little country twang to it. And it kind of speaks to their persona, how they would like fight on stage and kind of have this anti- yeah. anti- antagonist antagonistic antagonistic. <laughs> um, it's uh, <laughs> as, uh, as Mark Zuckerberg would say, it's meta, right? Oh yes. Sweet baby rays. <laughs> Sweet baby rays. All right, here is a little bit of Child Star at 420, dude. Yeah, bro. That's so that kind of shows. <laughs> I think that that's good because it kind of shows their kind of like bratty humor mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like yeah it's 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 snotty it's fuck you but it's also just childish and and dumb but it works it really works uh especially on this song um where they're talking all about yeah about being you know stars and getting famous and shit um yeah so who else has another slapper i got a quick one because it's a quick song you know it's more that uh punk shit i like no but that's uh the the clap it's kind of a throwaway song you know the way it's placed in the album but i don't know i kept coming back to it because i listened to something like three or four times and i think the song's a fucking uh banger um and you have a deep personal history with the clap right (laughs) marker not that i can confirm or deny no that that turned out it was poison oak (laughs) it was in the clear yeah, uh, <laughs> everyone's good. <laughs> but yeah, I, I made I, I made some phone together. calls. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, wow, what a yeah. raunchy name for a song. I remember watching so many 1970s movies as a kid and be like, so dad. The clap jokes were like every other joke. Yeah, yeah. so dad, what is the clap? And you'd yeah. be like, ask, ask your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I went to a radio when I was 12 years old and Warren Sapp was playing for the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time. And there was a chant that started that was slap. Uh, uh, Sapp has clap. That's why I first heard, the, heard of the clap. Classy, classy fan base there. Yeah, dude, you gotta love them. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, yeah, anyways. Yeah, this, I don't know. I think it's a cool song. Kind of like has an unwound kind of vibe to it. Uh, like that cool angular guitar. This is one of the more committed songs. It doesn't kind of divert into those kind of like more well-known twee things. You know, it kind of just stays on point with the, yeah, just being a little garagey, kind of more punk, um, yeah, kind of more propulsive jammer. So, nice. yeah. And I like the length. You know, you can't argue with that. Like a minute 40, you're in, you're out. Or it's actually a minute 26, so even shorter. Yeah, there you go. In Less than out. 90 seconds. Take some, take some penicillin. You're all good to go. Yeah, Adrian, <laughs> if you could play it about the minute... 26 mark hey that's my <laughs> bit oh uh, yeah shit my bad Ken. i'll play it let's get about thievery. 45 seconds in and see what we get halfway point Another that song's really of... useful too because it, you know they, they say they make space to just rock out and kind of remind everyone they're still you know a rock band so i think yeah. without the song it just gets a little too muddled in the yeah. cutesiness another kind of go team-esque like kind of cinema uh movie score type riff a little bit yeah like, yeah, a little, bit. yeah. Dusty. a little more hard edge but yeah totally kind dusty. of a little bit like murder city devils kind of vibe too oh uh, yes Nice. Adrian, give us a slap, man. <laughs> so I have a, I have a quite a few. It was hard for me to pare this down. Uh oh. <laughs> but I only, excuse me, I only talk about a couple here. 
I want I want to mention Jelly Bones because that is the origin of the Bone Camaro, and I always like that line quite a bit, even before we christened the Bone Camaro. Yeah, let's hear that just real quick. I think I have it queued up here correctly, but let's just hope that's true. Um, it's also just a very catchy song, but here is a bit of Jelly Bones. There you go. Origins of the Bone Camaro. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's actually kind of a lot of self-referential tracks on here. I thought, I think I was born a unicorn is a great track. That's, that's similarly along the lines of um, we were talking about with child star, but the one that always I've always loved, and it's always been kind of a standout for me is inoculate the innocuous. It's a longer song. I think it might even be the longest song on the record, if I'm not mistaken. Coming in at just over five, just under five and a half minutes. But it has just a nice vibe. I really like the guitar work on it. It's got a nice riff that's kind of kind of a little brittle, but it still works. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, I like the vibe of it. There's some nice synth work on here. And the song also shifts in, in like in a few different directions that are all pretty interesting. So I think it, it just, it fits, it fits well uh, as a song. And I think also placing it towards the end here, I think it's, you know, the, the third to last song. Yeah. <clears throat> it's again, it's an example of putting a strong song at the end to kind of help you land the thing, you know, those, but, uh, uh those the longer songs on the album i think do the whole loud quiet loud thing which is like the foundation yeah. of indie rock like they do it very well and this one's definitely an example of that for sure yeah uh, and this one also has you know like the recorders and the the other accoutrement of uh indie rock around this time of of twee rock or whatever that's so hipster <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have any thoughts Aren't on this one yeah hipster.com <laughs> That's so hipster. Um, no, I think it's a good song. Yeah, it's like you're saying. It's like it's a good encapsulation of like you know, kind of the album at large. You know, it's 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 in a lot of ways. You always feel like if it's not like a leadoff track, there's always kind of a mission statement song on really like you know pretty solid indie rock albums. And yeah, this uh, this might be it. You know, this also has a really killer line which I will play here that always makes me kind of laugh. But here is inoculate the innocuous. There's a muscle which relaxes when you cry Somewhere in the eye of my brain There's a muscle which makes me go West Coast whistle. It's also a little, um, a little bit of software slump, software slump oh, yeah. kind of. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's a lot of software software slump. Um, they were Randy was way more like electronic forward, but I don't yeah. know. It has uh, that flaming lips, granddaddy, 
those yeah. um, indie rockers that are silly but asking the big questions kind yeah, of yeah kind of like the dismemberment yeah. plan too i would kind of throw in there yeah mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i'm saying those like philosophers of indie rock yeah the uh the joe rogans and the dave chappelle's <laughs> of indie rock oh boy oh no <laughs> But the the line that makes me laugh, it got kind of cut off at the beginning there, but it's um, somewhere in the asshole of my eye. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. so funny to me. I, love, it's like, I, Adrian, such a good line. I remember that lyric when I re-listened to it. I was like, oh, yeah, that these guys are legit funny. Um, yeah, no, yeah, they really are. Right. And, you know, totally. Nicky Diamonds is a he's a FOT. So, like, I've heard that guy yeah. on the radio. Show. That guy's fucking. He's on. Yeah. Uh, he has a real wry, like, the best solid yeah. sense of humor. Like, yeah. He's a yeah. the best show regular Colin and yeah, yeah. he's very charming. And he's a anybody he's a that gets Tom dude. is a friend friend of ours. Yeah, FOT. Um, FOT is a friend of ours. Adrian, so, do you want to do one more slapper? Because I got one too, one more left too. But you want to do another one? Uh I can do one more. Let me I, I did just want to play the recorder section of Inoculate the Innocuous because it does oh yeah. Uh it does play um it does it is the sound of like that that indie twee sound that was around a lot but here's just a little bit of that you know it's a little campfire kind of sing along it's pretty like they're they're not above they're not always detached and trying to be no. funny. They, no, they yeah. do. There's, there's they do have those human. They do have mm-hmm. those gut punch, yeah. pretty parts, which I respect. Yeah. So I can go into my last slap, or let's let's call it my last slap, um, which is actually the opening track. I don't want to die. I think, um, and we've talked a lot about how crucial an opening track can be. And I think this one sets up the rest of the record really nicely. Uh, I mean, it really just drops you right into their kind of weirdo sound right off the bat. It keeps you a little off kilter. Uh, And then the lyrics are just like direct and very much like, oh, this is this is weird. This is funny. This is about death. This is about, you know, living life and all of that encapsulated into these weird, absurd songs. And I think it's just a nice way to kick off the record. But I don't know. You guys thoughts? Yeah, it's quick, quick hitter. Um, I like all the short songs usually on this album. So yeah, I think it's a great intro. I do love how much they reference their own selves, which is probably why they rap on this album. You can tell these guys are very much fans of hip hop. Like the, they have a kind of an MC kind of persona. So. Definitely. Yeah, so let's hear a little bit of that. Here is the opening track. I do I don't want to die. Yeah, breathy vocal alert, but 
<laughs> Other than that, good intro. Yeah, what do you uh so what do you got for us now? So my favorite song back in oh three, oh four, oh five when I was listening to this is still to this day, I think far and away the best song on the album, maybe the best song they've ever done. I think maybe it's more of a basic song for them because there's not a lot of change em ups, there's not a lot of switcheroos, there's not a lot of uh you know, ruses and bruises and pull the rugs out on you. Um, <laughs> it's more of a straightforward song and it's uh sea ghost. I think it's song number three or four, four. Uh, yeah. four. I right think it's a similarly titled ghost mountain. It's a hard hitter. It reminds me of like the more punkier side of like pavement, but it also got some a, a dollop of goofiness, which is their want. Um, but if Adrian, if you don't mind playing the 125 mark and then let it play for like 30 seconds, because I think it shows again that whole loud, quiet, loud thing that I think, uh, you know, is so inherent in indie music and they really pull it off on this one. Yeah. Caleb, thoughts before we get into it? No, yeah. I think Noah definitely covered it all. It's a good jam. All right. Here is Sea Ghost. As you surfaced, tangled in seaweed. But what remains of the driving in chains? Yeah, that's punk rock. And he's got a good voice on that song. Yeah, I actually think it's both of them singing on this, uh, yeah, this track. Yeah, both. Yeah. I think that's but, their vocals are the best on that one. Yeah, I love the harmonies on this. And you can see, you can see how their voices have the same kind of character, and uh, they they're very very close. So it's almost like, yeah, the double tracking or something. But it it really works. And yeah, yeah it's a real dynamic song too. Yeah, you know, kind of has a has a nice orchestration and yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe the most well, not straight, all the stops. Maybe the most straightforward song on the album, which is why I liked it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little basic for this album or something, but. No, I think it, and I, I think they absolutely needed at least one track like this where it was kind of completely kind of sober, you know, kind of completely yeah. just a regular track. I mean, which isn't to say it's not, you know, an interesting or, or you know, uh, it's a, it's a nice song and it, it has, it shifts, it's dynamic. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great tune and uh, coming uh, early in the record. It's, uh, yeah, it works. All right. What's next? Get into the well. Water. What's what? Whackers. Yeah. I mean, we've been dancing around it all night. The fucking tough love, or the the fucking the substitute teacher rap, <laughs> and <Yeah>. the recorder. <laughs> Caleb, did you coin that phrase, substitute teacher rap? I like it. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did now. Patent pending. 
as Homer would say. Yeah, it's interesting because I had this on my honorable mentions list for a little bit. But then uh, just as I listened to it, I'm like, no, you know, I really can't justify yeah, that. Justify I really that. can't. Yeah. Don't they I talk like about the like the war in Iran or something? They like it's about oil or something. In on the oil in Iran. Yeah. Yeah. Which at the time political war man. with off like, stick to the music, so, guys. But we oh, weren't think... even at war with Iran. Well, I guess we've probably been at war with Iran since yeah. the 80s. I know. Well, but, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's all and who knows what kind of fucking intelligence fuckery the uh Canadians are in <laughs> over there. They produce a lot of oil themselves, but yeah. Oh yeah, they're doing some fucked up shit to some indigenous land out there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all gotta drive cars, folks. Oh, Jesus Christ. Take um, the bus. Do you does anyone I have a uh... I walk ninety percent of the time? It's good. Do uh do we have a uh, a time or just anywhere? The wrap. What time? The wrap. Yeah, it's to, kind I, of. I the, it's at the end. Yeah. I, I I couldn't bring myself to listen to that song again before the recording because I wanted to timestamp it, but I was like, nah. Skip. I'm gonna try. And it's just it. not Let's the just... rap. It's like the, the, the they bring the recorder out and like you know. <laughs> It's a lot of the just... recorders obviously a nod to like remember when they used to make us play the worst sounding instrument? Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if we played it? Yeah, and why? I remember that being a big selling point. Like, dude, they have a recorder solo on this album. And I remember just being like, that's even then, like 2005 or whenever I heard this album for the first time, I was like, I don't know, that sounds kind of gimmicky. They don't have to do that. It's the old like just because you can doesn't mean you should. I understand that the recorder is a cheap instrument that kids could like afford and you could teach a whole class of kids easily, but like drumsticks and just have them drum on the desk, I think is more effective way of getting a kid into music or something, you know, like the recorder. The only time the recorder sounds good is on one of my favorite songs though. The Rolling Stones goodbye. Ruby Tuesday has a recorder Mm. at the outro. So I don't know. Maybe the recorder is good. I tell you, if if uh, Brian Jones is playing it, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's when used sparingly and appropriately, I think it can be a very beautiful instrument in a weird way. But this here is is yeah is playing on the kind of the naive sort of kids orchestra style, which is yeah it's a little grating. But uh, let's try the three minute mark and see what we come up with here. Here is. Tough love. Breathy vocals. Let's try the middle and see what we get. I want to get to some of that rap part because it is very uh, off-putting. Can't you Cringe. see you've got no pension plan? It's time. Okay, I think it's, it's coming up here. Song's also like it's time, so slow to rail it's that time, it's time to decide. Oh. 
There's the recorder solo. Yeah. Everyone was hyping up. Pretty bad. And uh, here we Do go. Do like exuberant sing-along indie. Kitty indie. It, like, it sounds like college quad It's only that one bar, but that's enough. That's enough to get you. That's that's it. Ripped out of the now. There's he he does like yeah. He does it a couple of times, but yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It don't dislike it or anything. And but I I can totally see how it can be. uh, Cringe. A little cringe. It's a little cringe. Yeah, and I totally had Mandela affected that. There was a line in there that's actually the moldy peaches. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we hate rock and he, we hate rap, but we like to contradict ourselves. That's a rap. That's a rap. <laughs> oh boy. Ooh, I'm sure we'll get to them. And right, you know what cool. you should also get to is uh the classic Neil Young song, the original rapper, whatever that song's called. No, that's not Neil Young. And don't mention anything further. No, Lou Reed star. Shit, Caleb, you just <laughs> you just ruined one of my game questions. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It'll still work. Oh, okay, right. cool. Well, is, you know, uh, let's yeah, is there I think, another whacker. Or are we good? No, nah, we're no, nah, I think that's it. I think we can all agree that's the wackest of the whack on this album. Let's not go too hard on these Canadian kids, yeah, they're nice boys, Canucks. Yeah, I, nice feel like podcasters. Been, I feel like I've been harsh on them. They're, they're podcast they're adjacent cool. too, so we need these, to be. They are cool, that's the thing. They're, they're too cool. They're for cool. School. They're be they're people that you'd want to have a beer with, you know, totally or smoke or a joint with. Yeah, so ratings, right. Yeah, yeah. How are we rating this? You know, in this the last tough love. The last two seconds here, saying how they're probably pretty cool guys that you'd have a drink with. <laughs> Maybe they're dicks. I mean, I'm kind of a dick, so what are you gonna do? So I, I'm gonna give it an eight point two. Maybe a little generous, but I come around and just talking about it. Yeah, there's nothing that pisses me off. It's a little goofy. <laughs> But whatever, eight point two. I think that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. Well, jumping off of that, I think eight point nine seems high, a little high. As much as I really love this record, as many, many, many times as I listened to this record, as ingrained as it is into my brain, I don't think it reaches the height of an eight point nine. Ingrained in the membrane. <laughs> Ingrained in the brain. We need to um, add that to our soundboard. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, ingrained. Um, but I think it is, it does. I, I'm going to go a little higher than you, Noah. I think 8.5 is is right on the money for me. I think yeah. it's a strong record. It's a, It's not a stone cold classic, but it's kind of a cold classic. And that, I kind of appreciate that about it. So stone this cold, cold classic. This type of music doesn't exist anymore. So you got to kind of respect it for that. Totally. Me, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give it a 7.5. Generous? (laughs) For Caleb, it's kind of... uh, No, the 7.5 is When you were texting us earlier today, Caleb, I thought you were going high, like 8.5 at least. No, no. Like I said, overall, like it, it leaves me a little flat. There's some like really good parts and some like cool potential and some cool directions, but... Yeah, just overall, you know, it leaves me a 7.5. 7.5 is a sneakily um, generous rating, though, in the kind of lore of uh, Pitchfork. 
that's what they give any folk album metal yeah kind emo. of emo they give them they give them a seven is good yeah. like new yeah. classical music. seven five to seven nine Movie you're gonna find some gems course. in there and I think like seven five because most of the shit I listen to that gets reviewed on Pitchfork is like is it's a seven point five. Yeah. yeah. The the classic Pitchfork move is to give an album a seven point five, then you put it on the um, honorable mention albums of the year. Yeah. And then you put it on the best decade of the year in the <laughs> low nineties. So it goes. He talks about how. Five, in hindsight, six. it wasn't as appreciated as it should. Yeah, be. yeah, it's like it's like we'd wish we could rate a higher. Okay, really you're setting up the narrative right now. <laughs> your yeah. best of the decade, and it's going to be unicorns. Will be number ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really rate things or make lists or anything, so well, that'd be a be a tough task. So that that gives us an eight point one overall. All right, Fair. pretty good. good. Last week, is it? Yeah, eight point one. Not too shabby. Righteous. Cool. What's next? Cool. So um what what happened to this band? Nothing. You know, after this? <laughs> yeah. This band, nothing happened to them. They <laughs> so they did kind of they went fall the way apart. of the unicorn. They <laughs> did. Totally real. They did. I think so. I think what happened is after this record, they released an EP the next early in the next year, I think. May or June, May 2004, um, which is a it's an okay EP. But then I think just like touring and band tensions and it just all came to a head and they they broke up. I think they just kind of threw up a message on their website saying the unicorns are dead, RIP. And uh, and that was that until uh, what, uh, 2014? when they got to get yeah. back together uh to play a handful of shows for the for the anniversary i would have liked to have seen them live i think it, yeah this album would translate better live than just kind of chilling in your living room listening to it definitely yep and they All did right. they as we mentioned they did go off to form other you know mr islands. heavenly clues islands etc etc and on and on all right. So, what was the Unicorns 2014? It was just a seven inch. It was an EP. I think it's yeah four tracks. Actually, one of the tracks is one of my favorite songs by them. It's called uh, uh, "Emasculate the Masculine." <clears throat> it's, it's a groovy little tune. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's kind of a forgettable little EP. Nothing too special. Special. Nice. <laughs> oh, I do. My name is Noah, and there was a reference to Noah's Ark and Unicorn. I should have made a joke somewhere in there, but I can't do it. We'll put it in post. Yeah, put it in post. All right. In post. Okay, right on. Um, yeah, what's what's your game, Noah? My game is Rockers Who Rapped. Oh, oh boy. Oh I'll give you boy. some lyrics. These aren't rap rockers. These are rock stars who happened to rap at one point. So we're not going to talk about head P or any of that cool, no. cool music. So I'll like give that. you some lyrics. <laughs> I'll give you some lyrics and you try to tell me the song. Okay. Ready? All right. Fab five. Freddy told me. Oh shit. I know what Sorry. that is. Fab yeah. five. Freddy told me everybody is fly. DJ spinning. I said, my, my flash is fast. Flash is cool. Francois say pause. Flash ain't no dude. Is that Deborah Harry on Rapture? It's 
the band, uh, her band. Right. Blondie. Blondie. Well, he said he didn't call her Blondie, though. He said Debbie. So isn't that Blondie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah it's, usually, it's usually the other way. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, isn't uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat in the video? He's the and said, Fab Five Freddy. He's the said DJ spinning mm-hmm. the records and Fab Five as a throwing up a bomb uh, spray paint in the background. Yeah, that was that's right. The Blondie song Rapture from 1981, a very tasteful uh, rap song and cool video. Okay, here we go. People always like to be shitty and be like, that was actually the first rap song ever played on MTV. Uh, yeah. So white people invented it. Yeah, white people like to say that. Yeah, check okay, your here. privilege, everyone else. Here we go. I was sitting at home on the West End watching cable TV with a female friend. We were watching the news. The world is a mess. The poor, the hungry, the world is in distress. Herpes, AIDS, the Middle Ugh. East. At full throttle. <laughs> Just the Middle East. Herpes AIDS, the Middle East at full throttle. Better check the sauces before you put it in the waffle. Better oh, check God. the sausage before you put it in the waffle. What are you Caleb, checking you... for in the sausage? <laughs> you, already, you already mentioned this. Song. I believe this is the original rapper with a W. Yeah, W-R-A-P-P-R. By who? Lewis Reed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. God, that guy is so shitty towards hip hop. From like, 1986, yeah. off an album that I like because I like all the Reed albums. You had that on vinyl like way back in the day. <laughs> Mistrial. Yeah. You can go you to your from, local. Did you get that from Rad? Yeah. You can go to your local record store and find a copy of Mistrial for like $4. It's always in the used bin. It's not bad. I don't know. That song sucks, but. Okay. You no, know, he also mentions uh Iran in this song. Yeah, he did. <laughs> couple of more. Here we go, real quick. Uh what do we have to do for entertainment? Cops kicking gypsies on the pavement. Now the news snapped to attention. The lunar landing of a dentist confection. Italian mobster shoots a lobster. God. That sounds very familiar, but I can't place it. What do we do for entertainment? I can't get the melody. That was terrible. But uh, it's from 1980. It's from 1980. It shares the title with a famous movie. Hmm. Has an alarm clock sample at the beginning. Also has a really cool video with like graffiti subway trains. What do we do for entertainment? Cupcakes and gypsies on the pavement. Now the it's a, and it's a rocker saying all this? Punk rocker. The Joe Strummer? Yeah, yep. it's The Clash. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the name of the song? Oh, it's... Gotta, gotta get up. Damn it. Yeah. Seven. Seven. The Magnificent Seven. All right. Oh, I, nice. I could hear it in my head, but I couldn't... Yeah. That's from Sandinista. They have like two rap songs on that. That okay. records all talk about records that are all over the place. <laughs> that oh yeah, I kind awesome. of invented that. <laughs> I love that record. Great, great fucking record. Yeah. Okay. Triple record. triple LP. Yeah. Triple LP. Baby. Charge you for a double though. Stand up guys. You gotta have as far as triple LPs go. You gotta have that one. You gotta have Sandinista by the Clash, and you gotta have the uh, George double Harrison. Nipples. 
Oh, uh, all things must pass. All things, all must, things pass. must pass, right? Those are the two triples. I was going to say double nickel is the triple, isn't it? That's not a triple. That's a double. Is it a double? It's a double okay. nickel. On oh, no, 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 baby. They have, <laughs> well, they have, uh, I was confusing it because it's they a have, triple nickel. They each get a side, right? Each of the band members. Yeah, it's the Amagama. The Amagama side is the Amagama of punk rock. The. <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go moving uh, on, yes, moving yes on. Songs i'm losing too. it and this episode is way too long how did we lose <laughs> the magic of the hour and a half episode because okay, nobody had to go to the movies here we go last one last one witch's hair truth or dare chucks i wear rocks in the flare it's not fair because i'm gone feel so calm busted dawn was a pawn it's the dawn pc rom in my palm atomic bomb vietnam blacklips.com in islam so for these rockers did somebody describe what rap was to them (laughs) and they just like didn't listen to it they're like no i got this we can figure this out it's like talking to a beat yeah yeah the last lyric was a hint what's the last is it black lips is it the the black black lips? lips yeah from the song the drop i hold from 2009 wow Remember that album was called like something millions and trillions. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's okay. Now it's ringing. Okay, I like that album. Yeah, it was, okay. was a summer of two thousand nine. That rap song sucks. But did you know there was a remix of that song and an actual legit rapper appeared on it? Who? Who? Said rapper, I'm going to go see him tomorrow night. Can you guess the rapper? Is it Jizza? It's the Jizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you guys are seeing right. the Wu Tang, Jizza and Ghostface and Raekwon. Seeing the Wu Tang band, <laughs> the Wu Tang band. All right, that's seeing a uh, third of the Wu Tang. Yeah, that's good. You know, and I'm glad we kept that game short because that was about to get real depressing real fast. Um, <laughs> rockers don't rap; just rockers listen to rap. Rap, no one gives a crap. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't include uh, "It's the End of the World" as we. Yeah, I was gonna do that, but that's that's a lot of writing. Cool. There's a lot of <laughs> that rap. Too many lyrics. Also, what's the Billy Joel one? We didn't start the fire. Same thing, where it's just naming stuff from the 20th <laughs> just century. List. <laughs> just a list. Yeah. Yep. It's like Jerry West, Sidney Lumet. <laughs> I just na- I just named two books that I saw on my desk. You have a Jerry? Yeah, I got the Jerry but Jerry West uh, biography. My dad gave it to me. That's a good read, probably. Shout out to the logo. Yeah, it's a good read. I read it like in an afternoon. Yeah, dude, the logo. He practiced hard. Turns out, you practice hard, you get good at basketball. Shit, that's why we sucked. Yeah, Sorry, and he was like, jumper. and he was like six four. Yeah. Wait, a, you were you were on the basketball anomaly. team for a while, weren't you? Know. Yeah, I made high school basketball. Dude, I was a little baller back in the day. It's like a scrappy Ron Harper. I could play. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it this way: I could play at the Y all fucking day. I, I could yeah, stay like on the court. I could hold court. You could probably be on the Lakers, dude. They need somebody your <laughs> age on rate, their team. Jesus yeah. Christ! I was a good. Okay. I could run the pick and roll very good as a point guard, but I couldn't shoot. I'll say that. Uh, I was pretty sc- scrappy at D. But anyways, cut all that out. Let's get this. <laughs> get it over with, Kev. All right. Yeah, it's Let's fucking bring this thing to a close. Let's hit the come down, baby. I guess you could say uh, we're ready to die, huh? Yep. Right. Here we go. Ready to die in this episode. 
yeah, this has been our unicorns episode. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, that, was a, that was a fun one. Very uh, very Drugo heavy, uh, <laughs> you know. But hey, that's how we kick it here. We're uh, drug guys. But um, yeah, so coming up, you know, things are going to get a little bit different around here. I am actually welcoming a child into the world. And by the time you're listening to this, the, the kid will already be here. So yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm going on paternity leave because I'm becoming a, a dad. And I, you know, if you know anything about parenting, I may not have the adequate time to dedicate towards, you know, do deep dive on all these indie albums and doing three hours plus a recording a night being interrupted by, you know, somebody who cannot take care of themselves needs to be fed and swaddled and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I'll be going on a kind of a, a little fun paternity leave. So in celebration of my paternity leave and my dadhood, we're going to really go deep into the archives and actually release um, our demo episode. So it's for all the cult heads out there. Uh, episode zero was um, way back when we recorded a uh, tester episode about Wilco Sky Blue Sky, which is very appropriate i think that uh wilco being probably i don't know would you say that they're the leading dad rock band of our generation yeah oh, i mean, i think that at this point you think of tweety more of a dad than a rock star yeah yeah it's like uh if you had like his instagram account it's like dad rock star his tombstone Chicago will say Bulls father fan, whatever <laughs> his tombstone will say father sometimes rock star. father rocker yeah he's <laughs> yeah. father easy rocker uh, yeah so that'll that'll be fun it, it's kind of a you know as like a demo you know it's very raw and unpolished and we were just young naive kids just, lo-fi baby. yeah just in the garage just pounding out some notes just all you completionists right. out there yeah so that'll be fun you can send me 16 dollars, and i will send you a uh a C60 demo tape with on it, but it'll be six tapes since it's like four hours long or some shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. be a little present. Caleb will take off for a couple months and then uh, me and Adrian will do uh, some spinoff specials. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's stuff they're, in the works. Yeah. They'll be coming at you in the new year with some fun new uh, reformats and trying out some new things, getting kind of in, and we're getting into our experimental phase, basically, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is our yeah. demo. We released our first and second albums. This is the kind of this detour, is, this, detour is this our, albums before we do the grand, ambitious, like grandiose album. Are we the American Radiohead? <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting. Yes. Taking it yes. back. Um, yeah, cool. Sounds like a plan. We'll, yeah. And I'll be dropping back. in occasionally yeah. too. I'll be sending in, you know, um, voice memos and voicemails yeah. and things like that. So I'm not, I'm not totally, I won't be totally absent from the game, but yeah, yeah. Noah and, and in Adrian the, will be at the helm. The new year, 2022, which is like, whoa, 2022 T-O-O, not again. Um, <laughs> What's feeling like? Well, we're going to be doing, we're going to get back to the OG format. We got some great albums. We got Eric Badu. We got Alice Coltrane. We got classics. We got Forgotten's. We got probably do like a double of the Sue John Stevens States album. So it's going to be doing big things. Yeah, lots coming up. But we yeah, got to totally. give, give Caleb a little break here so that he can be yeah. uh little daddy's corner. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Wah. 
baby's corner. All right, Caleb, do the yeah. outro. Who yeah. Thank and um, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, uh, as always, <laughs> for listening. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think, um, especially with the new uh, the new style episodes we're doing. Let us know if those work and if we should kind of pursue more of that. So, um, yeah, hit us up. We can be uh, found at our website, whackerslaps.com, where we also have exciting merch up. We got pins up there. Our little tribute to the uh, mecca of music and DVDs, which is Santa Bria Library. So definitely, definitely check those out. Uh, the whackerslaps.com. Check us out for the merch. Um, you can also find us on social media at whackerslaps, Instagram, Twitter. We got an email, whackerslaps um, at gmail.com. You can engage with us there. Um, thanks to Kiki Ontiveros for our slapping theme song. Thank you, uh, Uncle Noah, T.O. Adrian for another great episode and all the great work you do. Um, uh, I am Caleb and this has been Wacker Slaps and we will catch you later. Hit the music. Bye. Oh, and as always, we ask. What made, <laughs> oh, of course. We still ask. What made Milwaukee famous? Who put baby in the corner? <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs>